Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hopefully you're high and dry this Monday. I am Dan Day. Got a loaded to the gills show for you. We're going to get to that in just a minute, though. If you want to hear this show on demand or any of the shows from this radio station, Get them wherever you get your podcasts for absolutely free, or you can go to our website, wqam.com. Not to mention, we're on Twitter. Give us a follow, at 560WQAM and at Dan Day Radio. Let's dive into the headlines. Following a 24-20 Miami loss to Florida, the UF band's director claims he was attacked by an angry Canes fan. Orlando police are investigating and no arrests have been made. The U's next game is September 7th versus North Carolina. After a two-year hiatus, former Dolphins assistant coach Chris Forrester is back in the league as a consultant for the 49ers. Forrester resigned from his position with Miami in 2017 after a video of him snorting cocaine went viral. The Finns finish out preseason this Thursday versus the Saints in New Orleans. Listen to the game right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. Over the weekend, Andrew Luck surprised everyone by retiring. The 29-year-old quarterback left the Colts, who were expected to contend for a Super Bowl this season, saying injuries had taken their toll on his body. The Marlins took two out of three from the Phillies this past weekend, winning yesterday 3-2. The Fish face off against the Reds tonight here in Miami, beginning at 7-10. Rory McIlroy won the FedEx Cup this past weekend. With the victory, McIlroy pocketed the largest payout in golf history, $15 million. River Ridge, Louisiana defeated Curacao yesterday to claim the Little League World Series championship 8-0. The town just miles from New Orleans plans to have a huge celebration for the team when they return from Pennsylvania. But then again, when are people in Louisiana not partying? And now, let's step into the day spa. (sighs) Three women teamed up to rob a Bambi baby store in New Jersey. Two women distracted employees while another stole a stroller. The only problem is one of the ladies forgot her child in the store. Two of the three assailants have been arrested, but all three are my hot mess of the day. Colorado police were able to talk a man down from power lines yesterday. Around 4 a.m., the unidentified man was said to be standing at the top of a 150-foot pole, naked and shouting at nothing. Kind of sounds like my weekend. And finally, Dairy Queen has issued a statement that there is no human meat in their burgers. This coming after a South Carolina newspaper claimed that human meat was ground into the chain's burgers, prompting federal agents to swarm one of their restaurants. Soylent Green is people! It's people! Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for rain with temperatures in the mid-80s. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long, and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. What a way to kick off the college football season this past Saturday. Unfortunately, the Hurricanes did not defeat the Gators, but fortunately, Canes head coach Manny Diaz spoke with Joe Rose this morning, talking about the craziness of the game. He gave us a Jaron Williams assessment. The O-line, oh no, cleaning up penalties, getting back to basics, especially when it comes to tackling. Plays that keep him up at night. And of course, jewelry. 
coach Manny Diaz joins us right now. Coach, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. How are you doing? Coach, thanks for coming on, by the way. We uh, we appreciate you getting up early with us here on, on Monday morning to, to talk about. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, it was one of those games right down to the last play of the game and one that for Canes fans and Gator fans that you couldn't go right to sleep because you were going through all the highs and lows. What was it like as a head coach after you intercept that ball at the end and get one more shot to win it? I can't imagine what it's like for you to go through a game full of everything possible. Well, I thought the neat thing was not just for myself, but everybody on that sideline is is we really thought we were going to win the game until until that last fourth down, you know, and I, I don't I don't think there was a – there was ever a doubt. I, th- I thought we had great belief, and um, you know, and it was one of those games where you just had to find a way. You know, these these season opening games. You know, when you, when you don't have the ability to play, you know, a preseason game, for example, like in the NFL, they're 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 never going to be beauty pageants. You know, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, and, and and both sides certainly had a bunch of mistakes, but but it doesn't matter. You know, you got to find a way to make it happen at the end. And, and I thought our guys were, were right there and battling, and we really felt like we had a. You know, we had a couple shots there at the end to win it. Coach Jaron Williams, we'll start with that first start. How did he play in your eyes? I mean, I think he justified why why we picked him as our guy. I think the entire football team believes in him. You know, I think he showed a lot of courage. You know, obviously had to run for his life a few times, but but he's also going to watch the film and realize that there was a, a bunch of opportunities to get the ball out. But just in terms of his poise and and, and in that environment. Until we get to Charlotte, I don't have any more, you know, you know, insane environments that we can we can stick him in. I, I thought he, I thought he looked, you know, like he belonged. Coach, the uh, the other side of that with the the ten sacks, and I know you guys have studied them already and taken a look at which ones are on the quarterback, which ones on the offensive line. But let's talk about the the, the two tackles and and the pressure overall. Did did you think about trying or or try to help those guys more, especially late in the game? Or I know the comments about we always get this roll out and and get him outside the pocket. Were those some of the things you guys discussed or tried to do? Yeah, well, there's a couple of different things you have to look at. I mean, number one, you're you're in a game where we have you know we have two drives at the end where you're basically in a you know in a throw 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 mode, right? Where you've you've got you know you have to drop back pass more than you'd want to drop back pass, right? And we are we 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 were in a situation where we're chipping defensive ends and doing that type of stuff. So that was already happening. You know, the idea of like rolling out. I mean, if you roll out, I'm just speaking from my experience, defense coordinator. If you want to play the Florida Gators on half the field. That's fine, you know. What I mean, you know, I mean that, that that's not usually what the, that's usually favoring the defense, you know, because now you're you're taking away half the options for, for where the ball could go. So, um, you know, so there's 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 a part of that in, in in trying to decide from an X and O standpoint what really is the best thing to go on. More than anything, though, it's it, it's 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 you gotta you gotta get the ball out of your hands, you know. So that's a part of it. So, no, I I think I think we look at it, you know, in terms of what's going on. Now, I will say this for those tackles because look, and again, uh, they weren't giving out any trophies after Saturday night, they went in some adverse conditions too, and they blocked some really, really good players, and they're only going to get better. So I can, you know, I can look at it two ways. You know, we can sit there and, and you know, and, and, you know, shake our head at those guys, and we can say, hey, look at all these plays, though, where you're doing a pretty damn good job, you know, and all of a sudden they're going to take some confidence in that because when that music starts to turn down a little bit and, and the pace of play starts to slow down a little bit against some other opponents, so those guys are going to be pretty good. And we're, you know what's going to happen? At some point we're going to go play somebody, and we're not going to have a freshman quarterback and a freshman tackle and a freshman tackle. Those guys are going to be soft sophomores and juniors and I can only speak to the same thing about the linebackers you know if we, if we want to analyze if you want to pop on the tape of of Pigney and Quarterman and McLeod in their first game against FAMU you know we, we could have done that we could have opened up with FAMU and, and could have you know got a false sense of security in terms of who we are but you know we didn't do that we went right in the fire we said you know what 
give us the Gators. We're mm-hmm. good with that. And in fact, let's move the game a week earlier and let's put it on TV so everybody can watch. You know, we're not going to be afraid. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm proud of the way that those guys fought, proud of the way the guys battled. I think we've got the right guys in the right spot. Coach, I'll stay on the offensive side of the ball. DJ Dallas almost ran for 100 yards. Brevin Jordan, what, five catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. How about those two guys play for your offense? Really proud of DJ. You want to see what's happening in the scrimmages, take, you know, carry into the games. And, and DJ, the way he ran the ball hard, uh, ran through tackles, we knew that they had some issues tackling. And I thought his effort down the field breaking tackles was outstanding. Uh, Brevin, you know, we know that Brevin can be a weapon in terms of making some catches and his run after catchability. You know, his consistency level is going to be the thing that takes him to the next level. You know, he had a drop on a third down where Jaron made an unbelievable play to step up and, and, and put the ball on him. Um, and then some things in the last scrimmage, you know, he got, you know, he, he got called for holding penalty, which, eh, but, um, but brought back the humongous run by Cam Harris, you know, which, um, which is big. So I think, I think the thing of, you know, the, his next step, of, if he wants to really, really be a big-time guy, is, is being an every-down big-time guy. Coach, I wanted to ask you about the penalty. Some, some they did a nice job of, of showing on TV, and, and others they, they didn't. But obviously it cost you two big plays, especially one down to, like, the five-yard line. Uh, you go back and look at them. What would you think all those calls, Coach, without getting in trouble? Yeah, try not to get fined in my first game as head coach here, Joe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know this. I know there was a bunch on both teams, and uh, I know that you know nobody tuned in to you know to watch that many flags get thrown. But I, I but I'm going to go back to again when you have these openers and and the speed of the game when you put these you know young men for both teams you know in, in such an intense environment. You know there's a chance that the game's not going to be entirely clean. And shoot, and shoot, they may the referees may feel the same way. There may be a chance that it's not clean by them. I don't know. So what I do know is this: I know that in the first half we had some penalties of what I would call nerves. You could just see that the environment, some of our guys were just kind of a little spooked, you know, some of the, the false starts and the delays, and that's just the stuff. You can't recreate that, right, in practice. I mean, how can you recreate the setting, what it was in there on Saturday night? Um, as the game wore on, I think some of the penalties were more, now they're just more penalties of aggression, you know, which you can live with those a little bit more um, because guys are just trying, to, they're just trying to compete, you know, and sometimes, you know, the, the, they may be being competing too hard. I thought we did a nice job on balls down the field that sometimes we were flagged on and, and they feel the same way. Um, you know, look that, you know, there are obviously some, some PI calls there at the end that, that, um, you know, the one on the fourth down and super long, but you know, Hey, that's all part of it. Manny, I know even as defensive coordinator, now head coach, always stress tackling is your key to defense. Uh, defense didn't, I'm guessing live up to your standards Saturday night. Am I close on that? Yeah. It cost us a game. You know, it cost us a game. You know, we, 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 you know, we didn't tackle the way we ought to tackle. Um, and that's just, that's part of it. A lot of it was the our younger guys, you know, were really playing roles, you know, big roles for the first time. And that's on plays in the backfield with their quarterback. We had to sack their quarterback a lot more times if we just could have wrapped him up when we were back there. We let him go a couple times, and part of that's because he's a big, elusive guy. But, you know, certainly the first touchdown was just, you know, it was a, it was a good play that should have made it a first down, but but it should never have been a touchdown. We got we have three guys right there and and um, and couldn't couldn't get them to the ground. And now they get it, you know. And and that's and when I say they, I'm talking, sometimes it's those it's those young guys in particular that they understand when they get in the game they, they, that why we're so hard headed on why we tackle and the way that we tackle and you know and and when you replace guys like Redwine and Jaquan Johnson and the, the the routine plays that they made a year ago that no one would notice because it might be a gain of twelve, um, but it's not a gain of sixty six because they made sure that if the offense earned 12 yards that they only got 12 yards that there, there wasn't that that added bonus to it coach I wanted to ask you about Jeff Thomas who, who had a, some rough plays uh one I thought he had a chance to make the catch in the end zone on a really maybe the best throw Jaron Williams made was the one that could have been caught there and and of course he he fumbled a punt and 
I know you're counting on him. He's the, maybe the most explosive player you have. How do you handle that situation, make sure he doesn't stay in any kind of funk and said, hey, man, you're, you're big plays the rest of the season. we got to have you. Do you talk to a guy individually, or how do you treat him? Well, yeah, because, I mean, even after the, the, the muff punt, you know, I mean, the first thing you're going to talk about is why did it happen? You know, let's analyze why did, why did it happen? Did we not get our feet underneath the ball? Did we not square up the football? You know what I mean? Let's, let's turn into a into something, you know, and that we can learn from. And, you know, and then, and then the play, like you said, I mean, you know, that, that's where, you know, big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games, you know, and, and that's, you know, you want to be that guy, and that's that's the, the ball you got to come down with. But but the other thing for Jeff's standpoint, which, but, but, you know, when he can watch the film, I mean, in the first 12 plays of the game, you know, he's running wide open for big-time explosive plays where, mm. you know, one time we don't pull the trigger, one time the tight end forgets to block his guy, one time, you know what I mean, just just those type things. And right. So so his encouragement of understanding that, that and, and everybody's encouragement, and not just Jeff, this is all of our guys that, you know, when they watched the film yesterday, they were like, holy cow, I mean, they see that there is so much stuff available, which we knew, but, but again, you can't sit there and say, well, only if, because I'm sure Florida has a bunch of their only if plays as well, but but that's why, you know, like I think everybody in the building, there's a, you know, there's a definite level of disappointment, but there's not discouragement because right. they, they understand what can happen. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Any one or two plays, because I knew you guys watched tapes yesterday, eat at you a little bit going, damn, that's one. Oh, did, did you get that off any of those plays? I mean, there were so many crazy and wild plays, but any one or two stand out? Well, in a game like that, like you say, there are, there are so many because it, it was a game where really everything mattered, right? Um, yeah. There, there's a lot of numbers when you look at the game. You say, "Well, this is a game that you could win by by multiple scores." You know, when you get when you when you beat someone in turnovers four to one, but when you go look at what we talked, instead of the most important stat is not turnovers, but points off turnovers. Florida wins seven to three. We asked the team, "Hey, by the way, how many points did we lose by?" And they said four. Interesting, seven to three in points off turnovers. So, so our ability, you know, their ability to cash in after the must, muff punt, our inability to cash in um, after the turnovers there at the end, and, and certainly the sequence when we fake the field goal. They call the holding penalty, but we still get the first down because of the late hit, and and we got it down there close. I mean, and then and then and then we 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 end up with nothing, and then that ends up being the drive they turn around. Yeah. And that sequence, and, and and that was you know the one thing coming in yesterday, you know we called it a pure team loss because all three phases you know played well enough to win, but did not do enough to ensure victory. You know our inability to to get a touchdown on offense to at least get three in special teams because you can only imagine if we had the ball there at the end only needing, you know, down by a point instead of down by four points. And that changes that very last drive. Um, and then our inability to defense, when we had them backed up, you know, we give the long pass and, and ultimately the, the game-winning touchdown. So it, it's something that everybody in the building has has a feeling they, they understand that now that they, they can compete with anybody in the country, and that's a tribute to the way we worked in the offseason. Um, but everybody in the building understands now that, that the level of what it takes to really win those big-time games. Coach, you broke out a new turnover chain. You got touchdown rings. My big question to you is what happens if someone gets a pick six and runs it into the end zone? We putting the chain and the rings on one guy? How are we handling that? Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> and it should have happened last and it should have happened Saturday night. Right, right. Twice. Twice, in fact. And that was another thing they got coached up on yesterday. We felt like both of the interceptions should have turned into touchdowns and, and we coached that every day, every week in terms of how we turn defense into offense. So yeah, absolutely shoot. I'd give them Chains, rings, whatever they want. We, we can carry that ball into the end zone. Bring them up. Let's ice them up. Hey, by the way, the other one, just watching on TV, your dad was a star, man. I mean, your dad wasn't that big a star when he was the mayor. You know, usually they, they go to the wife shot right. or or former coach shot. They went to the former mayor shot. Your father got like, how many shots he gets, Zach? I Would saw you say? five or six. Yeah. 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 He, we got every reaction possible. Right. Did, did anybody tell you that? 
Uh, no, I've been you know been a little busy in, in, the, in the time since the game. <laughs> I but, didn't know if you talked to, but, to pops. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, maybe 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 that's helping. Maybe uh, you know re-election effort one day or something like that. He's trying to, <laughs> trying to get. Well, it was good publicity if yeah. he's going for that. I'll tell you that much. They showed a lot of people in the stands, but uh, that was very interesting. All right, so coach, in general, what did you learn from your team after this big game? What did what did you learn from your team? Let's let's keep the main thing the main thing. We, we were up for the fight. That was in question going in because we had not especially if you if you if you look at us the last few years when you know against quote-unquote top 10 competition that had not always been the case so i think our guys understood you could you could see the difference in our strain in our effort in our passion and, and these are the things that i kept saying all off season because every new head coach you know all across the country is always going to say that these things are true but you have to actually put them into existence on the field so i was very proud of the guys at least showing that the changes that we've been talking about are real and they're not just you know they're not just, you know, coach speak. So, and, 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 and we, and we can't lose sight of that because that's going to give us a chance to win every game. Now it's about the execution errors and all that type of stuff, which we said all along, that's going to come. We're going to get better at those things uh, in terms of coming. But if we don't ever lose the, you know, the fight and the toughness and the, the mentality that we played with Saturday night, I think we're going to have a chance to have a pretty good season. Coach, uh, one, one guy we got to ask you about, DJ Ivy. Uh, you expect him to be back? After whatever reason he missed the first game, yeah, we'll have we'll have DJ back and, and look forward to you know getting him back into our secondary for sure. Coach, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think everybody, man, still talking about everybody got their favorite plays and and uh, and and their bad plays. So it's been a lot to talk about. I wish you could have been at some of those sports bars, Coach. Wow, that was coach. Uh, especially drinking, man. What a <laughs> it was unbelievable. Thank you very much, Probably Coach. Better that I wasn't there. Right, yeah. right, right. That's right. true. Yeah. Very, right. That's true, Coach. That's a good point. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Okay, guys. Have a good day. The Canes are off this week, but not Joe Rose. You can hear him from 6 to 10 a.m. right here on 560 to Joe WQAM. Up next, Dan Lebitard and the team shed a few tears. It's the best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the best of the Joe Show. I'm Dan Day. This is one of my all-time favorite bands, the Silver Sun Pickups. They're going to be performing at this year's Riptide Music Festival powered by Ford. Riptide is Broward County's 2019 signature event. It's coming to Fort Lauderdale Beach November 23rd and 24th. This year's event is headlined by multi-platinum recording artist The Killers, also featuring the 1975, The Revivalists, they're from my hometown of New Orleans, K-Flay, Fuel, Real Big Fish, Soul Asylum, and more. A limited number of early bird, two-day general admission tickets are on sale now at WQAM.com for just $59. And a limited number of two-day early bird VIP tickets will be on sale for $99. Early bird tickets are on sale till Labor Day or until supplies last. It's Riptide Fest, powered by Ford, and you can get all the details by listening to this radio station, listening to the Silver Sun pickups, and once again, going to our website, WQAM.com. Andrew Luck, he's retired, and no one's more sad about it than Dan Lebitard and the guys. A seismic, shocking uh, decision that is seismic and shocking for a number of reasons, not the least of which is we all kind of thought this guy loved football. 
And the idea that he's out of it makes me feel like it's more of an indictment of the sport than of him, that he broke his body, he broke his mind, and at the end, with Colts fans booing, they broke his heart. Like, they broke every part of him before he got to 30. And I know he's not a martyr today, uh, but I want you to consider for a second how many hundreds of millions of dollars he just left off the table, given that Dak Prescott is asking for $30 million. It must have been awfully hard awfully hard to snub his city, his teammates, his supporters, his relationships, and hundreds of millions of dollars. He must have been in a great deal of physical and emotional pain to choose that days before the season. Billy is heartbroken back there. Billy is putting together a montage, it's not ready on time, of Andrew Luck's sadness. He says he's been made more sad going through the archives of Andrew Luck because he's a show favorite here than when some people around here have died and he has to do the montage. <laughs> Here's the thing. This could have been ready to start the show, but I want to give this the proper respect and attention it deserves. And as you said, yes, this is one of the saddest projects I've ever had to do. because I've, I can see right now your eyes are red. I'm fighting look- back tears, to be honest with you. Like, I'm fighting it back because I realize he's just gone on from football and he made this decision and this is the right decision for him and yada, yada. But it's very sad for us. Like, this is a very sad day for me. And I don't want to make this about me, but I'm going to miss him so much. And I was so sad, Dan. I watched the whole press conference, 24, 25 minutes, however long it was. I just want to give him a hug. What did we do to him? What did we do to him as a sport, as Americans? What did we do to this poor Andrew Luck? Were you mad at him? No. Oh. The well, opposite. Stugatz, mm. Stugatz a little mad at him because Stugatz is the voice of the fan. And not surprisingly, Stugatz thinks he should have been booed leaving the field. Uh, because a lot of people understand the frustration and anger of, hey, man, this season was all set up. Why a few days before the season starts are you lobbing this grenade at Colts fans who have gotten very used to having a quarterback stable for 20 damn years? 20 damn years at that position. It is. It has to be the most entitled quarterback base in the entire country where you've had, or I guess the Patriots, but you've had 20 damn years of exceptional quarterback play, and he took it away from you right before the season started. But the way those fans who were at the stadium found out was pretty unprecedented. It was. And so in that moment, right, they were shocked. They had no idea. They're in the stands. They're watching the game. They're thinking their team is going to be a Super Bowl favorite, a favorite to come out of the AFC. And then all of a sudden they learn the news of Andrew Luck. And so what do they do? They boo. And then what happens? We criticize them for booing. So we can't, like, they can't tell Andrew Luck how to live his life, but we are perfectly uh, comfortable as a media telling fans how to live their lives. And to me, that seems patently absurd. Fans don't care about the athletes, Dan. Fans care about themselves. They don't care about Andrew Luck. They care about Andrew Luck as long as Andrew Luck is playing every Sunday, throwing for 400 yards at three touchdowns and delivering victories. That's all they care about. The mistake that gets made all the time, though, is that fans think it's a relationship when it's a transaction. And Andrew Luck thought it was a relationship and realized at the end, it's a transaction. It's not and in sickness and in health. It's just in health. They don't love you in sickness unless you die. Then they'll love you. If you die, if you're sick enough to actually die, then they'll love you. But it's not in sickness and in health. It's only in health. It's how it's directly proportional to how good do you make me feel? And if you take it away from me, it's a dysfunctional relationship. It's not allowed to be a relationship unless it's a dysfunctional one, because otherwise it's a transaction. Andrew Luck was heartbroken at the end. His body and mind were already done. And then you broke his heart because that had to be hard for him to do, to choose 
I'm going to choose happiness. I'm going to choose me. I'm going to choose myself. I'm going to choose my health. I'm going to choose my new bride. I'm sure it was difficult. I'm certain it was difficult. And I have no issue with Andrew Luck doing it. I have issues with everyone blasting the fans for booing Andrew Luck for doing it. Well, he- here's here's what's happening. Fair enough, right? Um, do you have more on that? Excuse me. I didn't mean no, to interrupt good. you. This is what's happening. People are taking sides on this because Doug Gottlieb and Dan Dockich are giving voice to those angry fans. Uh, Doug Gottlieb is doing it on Twitter by saying retiring because rehabbing is, quote, too hard is the most millennial thing ever. Hashtag Andrew Luck. Dan Dockich uh, says, quote, I have family working in steel mills, cops, teachers making far less. And this guy is tired. My backside. And so the people who came after him were interesting because Troy Aikman came after Gottlieb and Troy Aikman doesn't come after anybody. Troy Aikman's like, that's total bull bleep, Doug. What qualifies you to decide how someone should live their life? So you're now the authority on what motivates Andrew Luck. And if his decisions don't fit into what you think is best for him, then you rip him. Guess that keeps you employed on FS1. Nice. Oh, 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 wow. You saw everyone wow. knows what he was doing by dropping the FS1. Whoa. It's like, hey, I work for Fox 2. Marquee America's game. But Tory Smith just nuked Gottlieb. Because, again, Gottlieb's tweet is retiring because rehabbing is quote too hard is the most millennial thing ever tory smith buries gottlieb with you stole credit cards because working was too hard that is brutal that's a collegiate crime from doug gottlieb that's still haunting him a quarter century later because tory smith has not forgotten (laughs) but here's steve berline and steve berline sort of to me represents average quarterback X in personality and play and everything. Just the height of totally average commitment to the position, the cause, the 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 banal things you have to say in front of your locker. But what? Like uh, all the stuff that a that an average a totally average quarterback is. Steve Berline represents almost better than anybody. <laughs> to the Gottlieb millennial criticism, Pablo had a good tweet that I think should apply. You can't be called a millennial if you have a flip phone. So here is Steve Berline saying, "I'm a huge Andrew Luck fan. Always have have been. But this I cannot defend or justify. No scenario where retirement is defensible. To do this to his teammates, organization." fans and the NFL two weeks before the season is just not right. I love the guy, but this will haunt him. And what I would say to Berline is you probably don't know Andrew Luck's physical pain because he kept trying to get back and he kept trying to get back and he had setback after physical setback. And I don't know how much pain or how hopeless he felt after already his shoulders been botched. Then it becomes a calf and Frank Reich is talking about this might be a Kevin Durant situation. Three MRIs. We can't figure out what's wrong. Now it's the ankle and it's medicine and medicine and medicine. And I'm sorry if I'm Andrew Luck and I've got a new wife. No, I don't need to be developing an opiate addiction for you. But I'm guessing Berline probably wishes he had the talent that Andrew Luck had. You're right. He is perfectly average. He's an 80 quarterback rating for his career. That is average. When you look up average quarterback in the dictionary, Steve Berline's face comes up. Okay. So, and I guarantee you, Berline wishes he can go back and play again in the NFL with Andrew Luck's kind of talent and would give anything to have the ability to do that. But Dan, here's what people see. They see Deshaun Watson playoff game can barely breathe rib injury and he takes a bus to jacksonville to play in that game that's what fans expect from their yeah, quarterback and, and it's dumb and it's dumb yeah and oh, give and, it t- and give it time because andrew luck was in that cycle he gave voice to it he said the hardest part he's like fighting my way back from that other injury that forced me to miss the entire year and doing an entire offseason rehab and not being able to practice with my team i told myself if it ever got to that point again i'm simply not going to do it 
and he stuck to his guns. Stugatz is arguing on behalf of the expectations and the entire culture of pressure, all of it. It's what I told you about Kevin Durant, Stugatz. You forget real quick. Everyone, everyone was putting pressure on Kevin Durant to come back. And look at what happened. And who has to live with that rehab? Nobody but him. Nobody but him. But everybody. And that's, and that's basketball. Like, that's totally safe. Football, it's worse. Football and hockey are the worst. Cut off your finger and keep playing. Do what Chris uh, Sims did and play through a spleen leakage that, uh, you know, has you on the cusp of death yeah, that I mean, night. Andrew, one of Andrew Luck's many injuries is a lacerated kidney. But we're so accustomed to seeing players do whatever it is they have to do yeah, to continue to play now, though, for the fans. That ends now. Look, Gronk just retired and everyone understood. Yeah, that looked like it hurt. Being him looked like it hurt and he's bigger than everyone else. Like Everyone understood on Gronk. Yeah, a lot of surgeries. That seems like it sucked. I, I understand why you would leave. But it gave us an entire offseason to prepare, Dan. This was days before the season. Be there for your well, teammates. That, I lived this with Ricky Williams. It was horrible. I lived it because of the timing. There ain't no right time. There is a better time, but there ain't no right time to quit on your city, your supporters, your teammates. They're going to call you a selfish loser. Hello. Yeah. This certainly isn't how I uh, envision this or plan this. Yeah, this game's funny sometimes. The ball bounces you know, weird ways, literally, figuratively. Don't go down, Andrew. Come on. you know, Stay up. I'm particularly proud of our offensive line. I'd like to read a book or two to you before we start playing. Is that all right? Yeah, there you go. Hank the Cowdog, an absolute classic. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good to play on Thanksgiving. That's probably every little boy's dream. No, Skin like an armadillo, as an old coach used to say. Up. Tomorrow, it's it's back to the grindstone. Hey, everybody, happy June. And then it sort of just felt like the dam burst open. Yeah, it's part of life. You control what you can, you control what you can control. I have my copy of A Girl Named Zippy. Football's not rocket science. We play to win, you know, yet we don't play to tie. Jack cares about this game as much as any guy I've ever played around, and I love him. <laughs> not very well. I, I look back and, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, but T.Y.'s awesome. Tell you, I thought we did some really good things. I know I know, I had a lot of fun. They've got depth. They've got guys who can rush, guys who can cover, big thumpers. I'm just a little tool for social media, I feel. <laughs> when I do get the urge to do something a little silly, I talk to myself and... It's not worth it right now. People are wondering where you got the inspiration for your outfit today. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no inspiration. Just what was in the closet. You learn on our team. You just got to keep chipping away, keep chipping away, and trust. Trust is a huge part of this game. It's the greatest team sport in the world. <laughs> he's an incredible person. He's an incredible teammate. You know, he's a great friend. Uh, so you give him a big hug. You know, <laughs> he's he's going to be all right. And he swallowed the ball with his hand. Like it, it was truly like some type of gravitational pool just flopped it in there. Absolutely. I'm always looking for Jack Doyle. <laughs> I don't envy referees. They have to make calls. <laughs> this is the way I truly feel. Every every win is a team win. Every loss is a team loss. Now I have no sense of anything. Yeah. He's quick to say he messed up in front of a whole team, which takes cojones. <laughs> I learned so many great things from that. Like what type of shampoo to use. <laughs> no, I've not, I've not picked up a the Duke and started throwing him yet. We, we, we've, we've talked a lot. He's a good dude. He's probably got the broadest back I've ever seen in my life. It is a game, you know. We do play the game. We don't work the game. We, you know, we get, we get to play football. So uh, Frank is the man. And you, you won't find a guy that loves football more than Frank Gore. He's a beautiful teammate. He's a he's just a he's a great football player. He's a great locker room guy. Dog guy or cat guy? <laughs> you know the answer to this. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> I'll get killed. The commercial. I'm a cat guy. <laughs>
I was not in a good spot a year ago today. I, I remember that. And I am in a good spot now. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh was, was big on cadence and being under center. And he used to say you had to have a little gravel in your voice to have a cadence. Is that how he said it? Yeah, just like that. Yeah, I mean, they've been consistent all season. They work their butts off. Our wideouts, they block their butts off. You will be pleasantly surprised by how well these guys play. They work their butts off. The guys fought their butts off all day long. You know, Joe Haig, Denzel, Ryan, Harry, Anthony, they really did a heck of a job. And it started with a big play to T.Y. It really did. We, we needed that. Uh, if my chronological, chrono, yeah, if I, whatever, if that's right. My mom says I'm unique. She says I'm a wonder. My dog, Daisy, agrees. That's a cool dog, huh? Who likes dogs? Who likes cats? I like cats more than dogs. I don't think this locker room ever doubts the, the intensity and the, and the try-hardness, per se. I feel that I didn't quite hold up my end of the bargain, uh, you know, as, as, as the sort of orchestrator of the offense out there on the field. Red 80. Red 80. And I remember doing that in my first rookie minicamp in, in BA, Bruce Arians, in very colorful language. <laughs> Step damn ball, son. <laughs> Brave is a caterpillar that builds a bed, wondering when it will wake, because some days are full of things you'd rather not do. Like homework. I'd rather not do homework. But you do it anyway, right? Because it's good. Same routine, you know, with, with breakfast and getting to the stadium, and it was sort of cool to get to go on autopilot there and not have to think about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a left and then a right on Capitol and you know, around. <laughs> what do I want for my birthday this year? <laughs> I was a, a, a tough, hard practice where I get better and, you know, sharpen the edge of this football team, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's sort of like a... Like a mixed bag of emotions, you know. Wish I would wake up tomorrow morning and feel, you know, incredible. The whole thing was a was a was a dream, you know. Jack Doyle, Jackie Jack, and I have been through a lot together. I'm gonna miss him a lot on the football field. We're friends forever. Overwhelmingly, I just felt grateful and appreciative to be here. You know, that, that may sound a little cheesy, but I was so excited to get to run on the field, you know, as as a as a colt. Just, uh, just, uh, I want to spend the last 30 seconds of this uh, segment weeping quietly at the show. We're going to miss him. Billy, that was hard for you to do. You just eulogized uh, the six-year career of Andrew Locke. Uh, you've just, uh, look at us. The whole show is heartbroken. Sad goosebumps. Unlike the guys from the Dan Lebitard show, Stephen A. Smith isn't shedding tears over Andrew Luck's retirement. He actually has the guys back. We'll hear that next on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Stephen A. Smith, you can hear him right here daily from 1 to 3. Earlier, he was playing the Luck Blame game and... He has the Colts fans' backs. We learned new Saturday night that Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts, the 29-year-old quarterback, entering his seventh season of playing. I mean, he's done seven years, but he missed the entire 2017 season. But entering his seventh season of action as the star quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, drafted first overall in the 2012 NFL Draft, that Andrew Luck 
D'Andrew Luck that threw for 39 touchdowns last year. Second in the league only to Patrick Mahomes. That Andrew Luck. D'Andrew Luck that threw for over 4,500 yards. That Andrew Luck. The Andrew Luck that won comeback player of the year last year after missing the entire 2017 season due to his shoulder. That Andrew Luck. The Andrew Luck that the season beforehand missed part of that season because he was out with a lacerated kidney. That Andrew Luck has decided that at age 29, with at least a decade of a career ahead for him, in position to surpass many, many records in NFL history as a star quarterback, in position to collect in today's NFL economy at least another quarter of a billion dollars in his career. That Andrew Luck has decided to call it quits, to end his NFL career at age 29, scheduled to be age 30 this coming September 12th. Due to a bevy of injuries, health issues, obviously. And, John, we have some sound from Andrew Luck's press conference, correct, talking about his health, his health woos, and all of this other stuff. These are things that we have to speak on. But before we speak, it's important to hear from Andrew Luck himself about why he decided at age 29, fresh off of leading the Indianapolis coach to a divisional playoff around against the Kansas City Chiefs, having won a playoff game last year in his first game in his first year back, playing the kind of football he's played with Frank Wright, with the best team as far as I'm concerned that he's had to work with since being drafted, a stout offensive line, T.Y. Hilton, the acquisition of Devin Funches, Eric Ebron is your tight end, Marlon Mack is your running back. And an offensive line bit led by Quentin Nelson, who's a monster at the position and is all about the business of wearing that shoehorn and protecting his quarterback. Why Andrew Luck, with his best shot at a Super Bowl championship in his career, with Chris Ballard proving to be the exceptional GM that he has been, with Frank Wright proving to be a damn good head coach. The way he performed last year after a one and five start, guiding his team to the postseason. That's fresh off of winning the Super Bowl championship as a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles the year before, by the way. With all of those assets available to Andrew Luck, he decides at age 29 to call it an NFL career. Listen to Aaron Andrew Luck, I'm sorry, explain the reasons behind his decision. I've been stuck in this process. I haven't been able to live the life I want to live, taking the joy out of this game. And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. I find myself in a similar situation. And the only way forward for me is to remove myself from football in this cycle that I've been in. The lack of progress on my ankle. And I'm in pain. I'm still in pain. I've been in this cycle which feels like, I mean, it's been four years of this injury pain rehab cycle. And for me to move forward in my life the way I want to, it doesn't involve football. There you have it. Andrew Luck walking away from the game of football at age 29. 53 and 33 as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. 2,000 completions out of 3,290 attempts. Completed 60% of his passes in his career, threw for 26,671 yards in his career, 171 touchdowns, 83 interceptions. That's a better than two to one uh, touchdown to turnover ratio. Quarterback rating of 89.5, which is pretty damn good. A lot of people were very critical of Andrew Luck. Let me say this. As much of a fan I am as I am of RG3, the person, I was never a proponent of RG3 
going number one in the draft coming out of Baylor over Andrew Luck. I knew he was a stud. I went to his uh, his game uh, against USC in his senior year at, at Stanford, his last year at Stanford, rather, and he went up against USC at the Coliseum. I was at that game when he dropped 55 on him. I was there. And I saw this dude in, the per- in person, and I knew what a stud he was. And Andrew Luck being this dude, 6'4", 240 pounds, that's what he's listed as. First year in Indy, plays all 16 games, guides them to an 11-5 record, a wild card game. Second year, plays all 16 games, guides them to another 11-5 record and a divisional playoff game. Third year, 11-5 record, guides them to an AFC championship game. That year, he led the league throwing 40 touchdowns and just 16 interceptions. This dude had star written all over him. He had franchise written all over him and loved, loved, loved himself playing some football. That's what he was about. Thinks from Stanford, he's got some kind of architectural degree, architectural engineering degree, whatever the case may be. But listen, and comes from a relatively affluent family background, and uh, obviously he doesn't need the money the way uh, some of these players from disenfranchised communities may need it. That's not Andrew Luck's deal. That's not his issue. Living a good life, just getting married in March to his longtime girlfriend that he was with for the past decade. Uh, obviously, he's thinking about all of those things. So I'm not here to sit up here and tell you and adopt this mentality, Andrew Luck's a quitter. Andrew Luck's are all of these negative connotations that you want to attach to him. I disagree with that. I think when you look at Andrew Luck, the successor to Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, for him to come to Indy, succeeding Peyton Manning, and to have played the way that he played from the day he arrived in Indy, I can't say enough about him. If there was going to be a successor, To Peyton Manning, I think he was a pretty damn good one. I really, really do. And I think that when you look at Andrew Luck, I'm here to tell you something right now. You can blame him all you want. Let me be very, very clear, John, and everybody else listening out there. Andrew Luck is not to blame for this. I'm going to tell you who to blame. It's that damn Jim Irsay, the owner for the Indianapolis Colts. That's who's to blame. And I'm going to tell you why you blame him. Because he did not do his job. When you got a franchise-caliber quarterback, the likes of Andrew Luck, you go all out to protect him. You don't protect Chuck Pagano. You don't protect former GM Ryan Grigson, who should never be a GM in this in this league again. I'm not saying he should be unemployed. I'm not saying he doesn't know football. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a check from an NFL team. But when you hear the stories that you've heard about Ryan Grigson, as it pertains to his hard-headedness, his acerbic attitude, his unwillingness to get along with certain people, whether it be the coach, scouts, other people. They want to listen. And you see what he has subjected. He spent years as the GM for the Indianapolis Colts subjecting Andrew Luck to over five years. Five years. The man was sacked 100 times in the first three. He was sacked 100 times. Andrew Luck was sacked 41 times as a rookie. In 2012, 32 times his second year, 27 times his third year. Yes, there was improvement, but damn it, 100 times is 100 times, and that's only counting the times that he was sacked. It ain't counting the amount of times that he was hit. It's not an accident that everybody sits here right now raving about Chris Ballard. What did this man do in Ryan Griggs' five years as a general manager for the Indianapolis Colts? He drafted an offensive lineman to protect Andrew Locke and buffer a running game. Before the seventh round, only three times. You got to be kidding me. This is your franchise. And you didn't protect them. Not nearly as well as you should have. 
You looked at a six four frame. You looked at the two hundred and forty pounds. You looked like those. You looked at those tree trunks for thighs and, and, and legs, and you just assumed he would be all right. Well, he wasn't. With each drop back, with each hit, this man was withering away, and Grigson didn't do enough to protect him. That's why he's out of a job with the Indianapolis Colts. That's exactly why. And as a result of it, this is where we are. Andrew Luck came into the league in 2012. By 2015, he was missing games. I think 2016 was the lacerated kidney. 2017, he had to miss the whole season due to the shoulder. And by the way, not once but twice, there was a couple of soldier surgeries. He comes back last year. He wins comeback player of the year with Frank Reich as his coach, has his best completing percentage, threw for the second most yards in his career with 4,593, threw for the second most touchdowns in his career with 39, had the greatest quarterback rating of his career at 98.7, had the greatest QBR of his career at 71.5. But ladies and gentlemen, the most telling stat was that he was sacked 174 times in his career, which means he was hit at least 400 times. You can sit up there and you can say whatever you want about Andrew Luck, but the fact of the matter is that's a lot of punishment to take, man. That's a lot of punishment to take. Guys coming full speed at you, and you don't even have an opportunity to brace yourself. You're throwing the football. You ain't got no time to brace yourself. You got to just throw your body to the wolves and take those hits. That's what he was doing. Took a good looking. It was tough for him to keep on ticking. Some of these hits, it's a lot to take. Then now you come into training camp. I mean, since April, got a calf injury, got an ankle injury, no OTAs, training camps. Jacoby Brissett's been practicing with the first team for quite some time. He's tired of going through this. I can't blame Andrew Luck for his decision. Everybody want to sit up there and engage in hyperbole. Oh, it takes a lot of courage, blah, 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 blah. No, listen, I ain't going to go that far, right? Look, you walked away. You want to say it takes courage to walk away? All right, that's your way of saying it, not mine. I respect the man's decision. I respect his right to make that decision. And I applaud Andrew Luck for the star that he was in the National Football League because make no mistake about it, he was a star. And the Indianapolis Colts were a shell of themselves without him. We'll see what they do now. They were Super Bowl contenders with him. Now that we know he's done, I promise you they aren't now. No disrespect to Jacoby Brissett. I wish him nothing but the best. Got a lot of respect for him. Like what I saw him do in New England. Like some of the moments that he's had in Indy. But I got news for you. He's no Andrew Luck. So we'll have to see what he does. But I will tell you this. I feel bad for him because I believe him and I believe people when they talked about his love for the game of football. And it's a damn shame it's come to this point for him. It really, really is. And my and my heart goes out to him and his family because I know he loves this game. And I have nothing negative to say. But I got news for you, which may surprise all of y'all. I got nothing negative to say about – I have nothing negative to say about the fans in Indy either. You know, on this particular day, we talk about the fans – in every negative connotation we want to. You can do all of that all you want. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you something right now. I don't have that issue with the fan. I do not have that issue with the fan. To me, as much as y'all want to excoriate them and talk about classlessness and what have you, I got news for you. I think it was totally appropriate, totally, totally, totally appropriate why the fans were booing. And allow me to explain. Ladies and gentlemen, if the fans, if Andrew Luck had retired in July, or June, or the spring, you wouldn't have got that reaction. That reaction wasn't because Andrew Luck quit, and he's a quitter. That reaction was, what the hell you doing, man? We a week away from the start of the season. Now, I haven't spoken to any Indianapolis Colts fans, but I'm willing to bet my money that's why they were booing. What the hell are you doing? We're a week and a half 
away from the start of the 2019 NFL season. If you were going to retire, you couldn't have done it earlier? Rather than building our hopes up, knowing that we got a Super Bowl contender, and you're going to quit now? What the hell is going on here? That's what they were doing. Jim Brown retired at age 29. Ladies and gentlemen, when did he retire? It was July 13th, 1966. Barry Sanders for the Detroit Lions. Couldn't stand Coach Bobby Ross. Retired at age 31. When did he do that, ladies and gentlemen? July 27th, 1999. By the way, they were both running back. Calvin Johnson, a wide receiver, age 30. 1,214 yards, nine touchdown passes. March 8th, 2016, he retired. July, July, and March. There is no quarterback in NFL history that we know of. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. That quit. A week and a half before the start of the season when you're the QB1. It's never happened. And if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, I can understand why that would rub you the wrong way. Honestly, I think Andrew Luck's a pretty lucky guy. And I consider myself a lucky guy because I got to hang out with you this evening. So let's do it weeknights from 6 to 7 right here, 560 The Joe WQAM. Of course, you can download the podcast for this show or any of the shows on this station by going to our website, WQAM.com or wherever you get your podcasts, and it's absolutely free. And while you're doing that, give us a follow on Twitter, at 560WQAM, and at Dan Day Radio. That's my personal Twitter page, always having fun with that. That's going to about do it for tonight. I'm going home to eat some Minez sandwiches. Spain and Company is next. Have a very good one. Take care of yourself. Have a good time. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.